Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you so much for allowing us to be part of, of who you are, allowing us to be here this morning, allowing us to experience uh, worship the way we have, and uh, Lord's Supper, and thank you for allowing us uh, to think on the things that you went through on the cross for us. God, I pray that as we attempt to dive into your word this morning, that we will get into it enough with our own hearts, our own minds, that we will be able to bring something home with us today that will change us, that will make us better, that will make us more like you. God, thank you for this opportunity. And God, as, as your word is shared, um, send your spirit to guide it to the places in our hearts and minds that, that maybe this week we haven't let you go. Take us, turn us upside down, and dump all the junk out of us. And fill us up with you. Guide us and lead us this morning. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning and making an effort to come out and join in with worship and with uh, praising God together. And I know that you come to a church service and you experience sitting and listening to some guy talk. Blah, 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 blah. And oftentimes he goes in one ear and right out the other. So this morning I'm going to do something just a little bit different. Our, our message this morning is on perspective. And believe it or not, most of you sit in the exact same spot without even looking at this side. I can say Harry's back over here. BJ's right here, Justin's right here, Ron and Rhonda are right here. If I look at this side, I can say Zach and Jack, you're about two rows back, and those people are way back there, Greg and Natalie are way back there. So everybody kind of sits, Dolores is always in the same spot, everybody kind of sits in the exact same spots, right? So what I want us to do, if you're mobile, and I know that there's some of you who are not mobile, I mean, hold it a minute, you're, you have about a gazillion things around you, and most of you are going to be guys, because ladies like to hold things on their laps. So guys, if you can, everybody just stand up and go sit in a different chair. For just a few seconds, you can go back to where you are now in just a few seconds. But if you're mobile, get up and go sit in a different chair. If you typically sit on this side, maybe go to that side. If you typically sit on that side, go to this side. It's just movement, right? In case you were falling asleep. Are you sitting by someone you don't normally sit by? How's the weather? Is it cold back there? If you're warm, there's a cold spot back there. How's it feel? A little different? How about the smell? Ah, there's a little bit different smells, isn't there? It's perspective, alright? It's perspective. Alright, you can go back to where you want to sit. <laughs> Have you gone in the middle of that dome? Yeah. It's, it's above you. It's up here. 
If you go and stand in the middle of that dome and talk, it's very similar to standing right here. If you stand, try it sometimes. If you don't believe me, stand right here in this, in this archway and talk, your voice sounds really weird. <laughs> Once again, it's perspective, right? If your perspective changes, if things sound differently, you're going to think about things a little bit differently. The scene is set. The gentleman walks down the strip. He sees glamour and lights and all kinds of things going on. Nightfall is coming on, and so the lanterns are, are being lit, and the, the lights are coming on, and the offers are being made. The glamour and glitz of the, of the moment, or the glamour and glitz of the location, is actually pretty amazing. It's pretty phenomenal. And as he walks down the middle of the street, he can see lines of people gathering in front of the establishments. Behind the darkened glass and the black curtains, he knows what goes on inside those locations. The signs outside of the city, the billboards as the passengers and the travelers make their way into town, the signs say, what happens in Ephesus stays in Ephesus. The invites into those places seem pretty incredible, seem pretty inviting, but he knows that if he goes in there, it's a death trap. Every so often he catches the eye of someone that he recognizes and they quickly look down and slip inside. The cover charge, the two drink minimum is nothing for the experience that they're about to have. He makes his way out of town and down a little dark alley or a little dark street. The lights are all behind him and he fumbles for his key and sticks it in the old wooden door and pushes it open, goes in and sits down, lights a candle, and begins what he calls his study time. He's told everyone that he'll be there on a Wednesday evening in case they need him. He doesn't expect too many. Every once in a while someone gets sick enough or someone has some troubles and they, they wander in and seek some help and advice. There's some footsteps outside in the, on the dirt path. And they make their way up to, the, up to the door and the old wooden door creaks again. The young man, swept from his brow, breathing deeply and heavily, makes his way in. The man at the desk turns around and they exchange glances and the young man with the strapped satchel around his waist sticks his hand in his, in his leather satchel and looks up and says, Timothy? Tim says, yeah, that's me. The messenger hands him a parchment roughly cut pieces of paper with a wax seal and hands it to Timothy. The young man runs back out into the street and on to his next delivery. Timothy sits back down candlelight 
He doesn't know where this part came from. It could be just a bill collector trying to collect. It could be somebody that is not happy with the way Timothy is running things. It could be one of the elders maybe complaining about Timothy's message from last week. Timothy gains the courage to open the parchment and find out what it is. It takes great effort and energy each and every week for Timothy to sit down and try to concentrate and put a message together for the following weekend. But he opens the parchment and it reads, From your friend Paul, the Apostle, to my son Timothy. Find in your Bible 2 Timothy. It's close to the back of your Bibles. It's one that we don't come across very often. Paul writes to Timothy. He's in Ephesus, and Paul came across Timothy early on and, and dropped Timothy off in Ephesus, and he said, Timothy, here's your spot. Here's the place I want you to work. Here's the place I want you to get plugged in and, and begin being an evangelist. Sneak into the little house with me. The little house at the end of the street. Push past the little wooden door and across the creaky wood floor. Look over Timothy's shoulder with me as Timothy's reading by candlelight at the words that Paul wrote. 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 1. It says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. The town Timothy was left in is crazy. It may even make Las Vegas look like a Midwestern Bible Belt town. Ephesus was the hub of trade and commerce in the area. It was a seaport, and so sailors would come in and stay, and businessmen would travel through. There was great anonymity in Ephesus. No one knew you were there, and no one knew where you were going while you were there. Ephesus was an intense town. If you're walking through this world with me today, it's almost like you're walking through Ephesus back then. This world's a crazy place, but so is Ephesus. 25 times in these short letters, Paul tells Timothy, be strong, endure, persevere, hold tight to the things that you know to be true. Why? Why would Paul tell Timothy 25 different times that he needs to be strong? Be honest with me for a minute. Because you know that's what we're supposed to do at church, right? We're supposed to be honest. Especially here. If you chose two words to describe your relationship with God, what would they be? Would the opposite be, and would someone need to express to you, be strong, 
endure, persevere. If we're honest, I think a lot of us would describe our relationship with God as weak. We would describe it as disheartening and discouraging and sometimes we feel alone. Paul was trying to express to Timothy that he needed to endure. Samuel Jackson, not Samuel L., he has different quotes. Samuel Jackson says, People need to be reminded much more than they need to be instructed. We are here this morning to be reminded of some truths. That will help us gain perspective. It'll help us take a frame of reference from a little bit different perspective so that we can see what it is that God wants us to learn this morning. Immediately after Paul expresses, be strong, be true, be endure, persevere, Paul tries to give Timothy some perspective. And first, look where he goes. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 3. He says, join with me in suffering like a what? Like a soldier. Metaphor or simile? English majors, English students? Metaphor or simile? What is it? It's using like or as, so it's a simile, okay? Simile, thank you. Like a soldier, like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Write this down. It's not on your note sheet. It's not on the screen. Write this down. Realize that we are in battle. Perspective? Yeah. The world's out to get you. Satan is out to get you. If you feel weak, it's because someone's fighting against you. Perspective is gained when we realize that we are in battle. We need to realize that as Christians, the moment we picked to be on God's side, the moment we said, God, I want to follow you, the moment we said, we want to be a Christian, we want to be a follower of Christ, we became hated. There are two forces in this world, God and Satan. And the minute Satan lost and got condemned to eternal damnation, he became very angry. And he wanted to do something to hurt God. But of course, God's bigger and he's greater. There's nothing that Satan could do to God except to fight against us. So he's out to get us. He's out to get us. And this perspective is amazing. Because if we're realizing that we're in battle, then we can do something to prevent it. Satan hates the father, so he can't, but he can't do anything to him directly. So he's coming after his kids. This is the reason that marriages are being ripped apart. This is the reason that you don't even feel comfortable sometimes in your own, in your own home. It's why kids struggle to survive the peer pressure of school. It's like someone's throwing a grenade right into the middle of your family room, trying to destroy everything that's good that's going on. We have forgotten that we're in battle. Just imagine our men and women uh, 
that are serving in the United States military. They're on the front lines, and um, picture them going out, and uh, you know they're they're out there, and and they're dug in, and they're you know they've got their places where they're where they're hanging out, and. Uh, The general says, you know what, it's time, it's time to get out there and do some, do some work. And they said, go, they go out there. They're out there on the front lines. And all of a sudden, they, they start coming back, one by one, back, into the, back onto the base. And they say, general, hold on a second. Wait a second. Something, something's wrong. These people must be mad at us or something because they're shooting at us. We didn't, we didn't expect this. What's going on here? What would the general say? Really? Really? You're in a war. You're in the military. That's what we trained you for. That's what we gave you all of these tools for. Those people don't like us. They're shooting at us. Yeah. Yeah. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a big fluffy teddy bear. Oh, wait. But think about it. We're letting him hang out in our family rooms. We're letting him hang out in our bedrooms. We're even letting the kids take him to bed with them. Satan's not a teddy bear. He's not something to be played with. He's not something to snuggle up with. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan's no teddy bear. We walk around, around shell-shocked. We walk around freaking out like, well, what's going on here? How come, how come everything's going the way it is? And how come, how come there's just nothing going my way in? We have to realize that we are in battle. Second, write this down. It's not in your note sheet. It's not on the screen. We can't fall for the devil's schemes. Don't fall for the devil's schemes. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. Paul tells Timothy, don't be involved in civilian affairs. Know that you are on God's team, you're at war and you're at battle and don't fall for those schemes. It's like this. Satan's scheme is this. To get our time and money so caught up in our own kingdom that we're of no use to God's kingdom. We get so wrapped up in our, our own affairs, our own situations, our own struggles, our own battles that we can't be in battle for him. We're not thinking about the kingdom. We're thinking about my kingdom. We're thinking about what's inside of this little bubble. We got to get out there and fight. Quit falling for the devil's schemes. We love to go to the mall. It's free most of the time. If you don't go into those little doors, it's free. You can just walk through the big part. But it's amazing to watch people. And there's some, there's some strange people, especially different malls. Uh, how many of you have been to Pearl Street Mall lately? It's an open, open air mall in Boulder. I would highly recommend staying away from there, unless you want to see some really strange people. 
there's some strange birds there, right? We like to go to the mall. Just picture this, okay? You're, you're at the mall, and you're hanging out with your family, and you heard your people watching. You always go to the food court because there's all kinds of crazy stuff that happens in the food court. And I like to sit on the edge of the food court so you can also see the people walking by, but, you know, also see what's going on inside the food court. And uh, there's a big, huge guy that walks in. I mean, just totally muscle-bound. Got his muscle shirt on so all his pipes are showing, you know, kind of like mine. <laughs> he laughs. Okay, fine. So this guy's just huge. He's ripped. He's got gloves on, little gloves on. Not the big padded boxing gloves, but those little ones that they use in cage fights. And he walks into the mall, and he's just strutting around, looking, you know, looking at everybody, and just. And he walks up to this family, and the guy and his wife are standing there looking in this window, and he just walks up through it, and he just slam right, in the, right in the face, and just drops into the floor. Boom. Yeah, 65 and 0, 65 and 0. And he goes down the, down the mall and just keeps going. And he finds some guy eating ice cream. You know, Hagen does. They're, they're the best mall ice cream you can buy. And he's licking there on his ice cream. And he walks up to him and he just, bam, just punches him right in the face. He crashed right out on the floor. Cold tile, out cold. What would you, what would you think of this guy? Something's wrong here. Something's wrong. What is the deal? Just because you can come in here and just waylay these people that aren't expecting it doesn't mean you're some great, great thing. You can't count that as a fight. They weren't even ready. They weren't even paying any attention. Sometimes it feels like we just got our clock cleaned. Sometimes it feels like we're reeling from the attack and we just experienced it. And it's almost like we didn't even know we were in battle. We're sitting there licking on our ice cream cone. We don't even see it coming. Satan comes in and just, wow. And all of a sudden we're laying on the cold tile. We're wondering what in the world's going on. How come I'm laying here on this cold tile? What's happened? Well, we're falling for the devil's schemes. Acting like there's not a battle going on. We enter the general's office and we can't figure out why the enemy's shooting at us. Why is he shooting at us? Uh, we're in battle. It's a war out there. And Satan's looking for any little crevice that he can get into your family, into your heart, into your mind, and into your whatever it is that you do to destroy it. He wants to devour you. Write this down. If we're going to get perspective when we become a soldier, we need to follow a different set of commands. We need to follow a different set of commands. We have to realize that we're in battle. We have to realize that, that he has some amazing schemes and he's trying, to, he's trying to destroy us. He's out to get us. But we also need to realize we need to follow a different set of commands. The CO, the commanding officer, sends the command to the front lines. Um, you know, we're going to pack up and we're going to move out. So what's everybody do? They send a message back to the commanding officer and say, you know what, we're kind of dug in here and, and um, we're pretty comfortable here and we've got some shade tree right here and, and we're playing some cards and you know, we're, we're okay right here. We're just going to stay put. And the CEO says, what? Commander says, what? I said, pack up, move out. Are you listening? This is the commanding officer. Hello? 
pack up and move out. The message makes it again and the answer comes back, no, we're, we're pretty comfortable here. What happens? What happens, John, if that happened in the military and the commanding officer heard a no coming from the lines? Well, I, I can't even think about I can't even think about what, it wouldn't happen. It would not happen. Why do we get it when it's man, just because of rank, man commanding man? Why do we get it when it's that way and when it's, when it's creator giving commands to the created, we think it's okay? We get it when it comes to military. We understand it, that that person has rank and we are to follow them without asking any questions. But when it comes to creator and created, we think that, oh, it's okay. It's just God. He's all right. It's just big G. He's got plenty of grace and mercy to go around. It's okay. We'll, do, we'll, deal, we'll be able to handle this. We make up our own rules. We're following a different set of commands. We have a CO, and that CO, that commanding officer, is greater than any other. He doesn't have stars on his shoulders. He has scars on his hands and on his feet. He's a commanding officer worth following. He's a commanding officer that has your best interests at heart. He's not making up rules just to make your life difficult. He's a commanding officer that loves you to the core and knows exactly what you need. Exactly what's going to make your life better. Following a different set of commands. We come to the things in the Bible and, and there's, there's all kinds of great things. You know, you flip through and, and you come to, well, God will richly provide everything we need for your enjoyment. Yeah, that's a nice one. I like that one. I'm going to put that one on a coffee cup. We flip a little farther over, and maybe it's been back in the Old Testament even, and we come across, you know, I know the plans that I have for you. Not plans to hurt you, but for good and for plans to make you successful. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to circle that one. Highlight that one. Life verse. You know, that's the one I'm going to hold on to. But we get to the ones that say, be generous and be willing to share. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a good idea, but you know, it's just, I just don't see how that's going to work for me today. It's just not going to fit into my budget this week. I'm just not going to be able to make that happen today. We make it to marriage is between one man and one woman for a lifetime. We say, nah, that's old fashioned. It's not, it's not that important. We're feeling weak in our Christian walk, we're feeling alone in our Christian walk, it's no wonder. We forgot we were in battle. Paul's telling Timothy, we're under attack. Satan's attacking because he's mad at dad. He's attacking marriage. He's attacking generosity. He's attacking masculinity. He's attacking femininity. He's attacking servanthood. He attacks anywhere he can, families, attacking anything and everything that causes real true happiness. He wants it gone. He wants it annihilated. Satan wants you involved in civilian affairs. He wants you to think of this book as just a, a list of options. Don't worry about it. He'll get over it. 
I have plenty of time to come back to God. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll get a little tear when it's your favorite song during the worship service. And you'll feel real good when you come to church. Is that what he says? Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. We're following a different set of rules. If we say you love God and don't obey my commands, you make yourself out to be a liar. The truth's not in you. These people are playing a game, but they don't have the right general. They don't have a commanding officer that's worth following. They're following their own way of thinking. Then Paul's ADHD kicks in. As we look over Timothy's shoulder, the paragraph just abruptly stops and a new one starts. In first, or 2 Timothy 2 and verse 5, he says, and, and Timothy, think about this. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Remember the soldier, but think about the athlete. We're in Ephesus. Rome's close. Greece is close. The Romans and Greeks invented the Olympics. There was a stadium in Ephesus that hold, held 20,000 spectators, not just for drama, not just for entertainment, but also for sporting games. Did anybody catch the world championships yesterday? Turned it on for a few seconds and the world track and field were on. And guess who won? Usain Bolt. Them Jamaicans are fast. Man, they can talk and they can run. Oh, man. It's unbelievable. I wish I could do their accent. He's writing from Rome, and they, they created, they invented the games. Write this down. It's not in your note sheet. It's not on the screen. If we play on God's team, we play by God's rules. If we want to win the prize, we have to follow the rules. If we're going to play on God's team, we have to play by God's rules. There's some great runners out there on Friday night. Did you notice? Did anybody else notice that there were some great runners on Friday night? I was not one of them, by the way. I was not one of the great runners. There were some great runners passing me. By the way, thank you all for coming out the last couple nights ago. It was a, a great turnout, and we had a lot of fun out there. They were award, uh, rewarded some prizes because they ran, right? What if we were running around the track and, you know, the gun goes off and we're going to run a 400 meter. So that's one lap around the track, right? So we take off and we're running, we're cruising, and, and all of a sudden this guy thinks that it's a good idea and he's just going to cut straight across the infield. The finish line is closer that way. I mean, seriously, it is. It's closer that way. Why not just go there and, and win, right? So he busts across the line and breaks through the, they, they barely get the, the string pulled across the finish line and he breaks through it like he had won. Everybody else finishes the lap around the track and comes in through the finish line. And he's all celebrating. Yeah, you guys are slow. You guys are slow. What would you do if you had just run all the way around? What would you do? Like, dude, get a clue. You cheated. You went across the, you went across the infield. How many of you have played a board game with a five-year-old lately? Anybody? I don't know how that happens that kids just figure out ways to cheat. And I... And it's just, this is the way they are. It's just the way they do things. It's like, you know what? If I can win by any means, I'm going to win. I want to win. Everybody wants to win, right? 
we have to realize we have to play by the rules. It's like playing basketball with your little sister. Greg and I would go out in the driveway and we'd be playing basketball and we'd, we'd play knockout and we'd play horse and we'd play one-on-one. Once in a while, Jana would come out there and she'd want to play ball with us. And she'd, you know, four, five, six years old, you know, not real good at dribbling the ball. And so I'm like, come on, Jana, you can be on my team. And so she'd go up there and get the ball. And the first time she'd go to dribble the ball, Greg would slap it away, grab it, you know, reverse slam dunk, you know, that kind of deal. And Dan would be all depressed and all irritated, like, Greg, that's not very good. You can't take the ball. I'm trying to dribble the ball. And every time she'd go dribble, Greg would steal it and, you know, go slam dunk. So, like a typical younger sibling, you know who that you know who you are. Danny, how many times has Angela done this? Zach, how many times has Sarah done this? You, you know what I'm talking about. They grab the ball and they grit their teeth and their elbows are out and they are just, they're, they're gunning for bear. They grab that ball and they just slam right through anything and they make the shot. It's like, yay. And Janet go inside and tell mom and dad, I just beat Greg at basketball and it's awesome. Uh, wait a minute. I don't think you were playing by the rules. <laughs> That's not quite the way it works. When it comes to sports, we get it. We understand. We understand why it is the way it is. Why can't we get it when it comes to our spiritual lives? God wants me to put their interest before my own. God wants me to give how much of my income? What is this all about? Why is there so many rules? Well, it's for your own good. If you want to be on God's team, you've got to play by God's rules. You could write it this way. If you don't play by God's rules, you really aren't on God's team. So John and Sarah are out there greeting, and a, a very large individual comes in, and I mean, he's, he's huge. He's 6'6". Six, six, six. He's about as tall as me when I'm standing on this stage. He's like 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, probably 280, solid muscle, just a huge guy. And he's got his football pads on and his football pants and his cleats. And when he's walking across the floor, you know, they hear the cleats go, <laughs> I love walking on hard floor with cleats. It's really cool. Makes you feel really cool. And he's got his helmet... He walks in, his Denver Broncos helmet on. He takes his helmet off as he gets to the door and pulls his mouthpiece out, shoves it inside of his ear hole. You know how the cool guys do it. They shove it in the ear hole. He comes in, he's like, oh yeah, I'm a Denver Broncos. I play for the Denver Broncos. He's like, like, oh yeah, hmm, that's interesting. Kate walks up to him and it's like, I didn't didn't see you last night. Why are you here? Why are you in full uniform? We didn't... I didn't see you play last night. Like, oh, I I don't play in any of the games. So, how is that possible? You're a Denver Bronco, but you don't play. Yeah, you know the the games are just uh, you know they just they're they're fun for those guys. I don't play the games, but you know I'm 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 a Denver Bronco. Like, well, did you did you practice this week? And do you know who the coach is? Like, oh yeah, Shanahan. He's a good guy. (laughs) Like, we got a problem here. There's a little bit of a situation. Something's going on. And it would take probably eight or ten of us to usher him out because none of us are big enough to you know, move him along. Probably try to break it to the guy easy, though. Probably try to tell him, you know, I just, I, I understand all the, I, I, you know, and the, all your gear looks really cool, and you're even the right stature. You, you, look, you look really good. And I just, it's just, 
you might play for the, the 49ers or something, but you're just not a Denver Bronco. You're just not. You've got all the gear, but you aren't on the team. You aren't following the schedule. You're not listening to the coach. You're not going to the practices. You're not doing anything that the rest of the team is doing. You might be coming to services here at church. You might be wearing your Christian jersey. You might be singing the Christian songs. But if you're living the rest of the week by different rules, you simply aren't on the team. Paul's telling Timothy, he's giving Timothy some perspective. He's giving him some frame of reference that's seen from an athlete. If you're going to play on God's team, you have to play by God's rules. And once again, as we peer over Timothy's shoulders, he's writing in the or reading, rather, in the candlelight. He switches gears one more time. Paul goes one more place. Starting in verse 6, he says, And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Write this down. It's not on your note sheet. It's not on the screen. Spiritual growth takes dedication and determination. Spiritual growth takes dedication and determination. We see the soldier and we we get the athlete and and the, the football player, we get that. What about the farmer? I can see him. Actually, I can hear him first. He's put, 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 putting around the neighborhood. He's got his big green tractor, and he's got his bib overalls on, and he's got his piece of straw sticking out of the side of his mat, uh, side of his mouth, and he's got his his straw hat on, and he's put, put, putting around the neighborhood. He keeps cruising. I hear him go by every once in a while. Like, what is that guy doing? I don't get that. What is he doing? He's just putzing around in his tractor. Put, 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 put. So I'm like, okay, this is it. I'm done. I'm going to go find out what this guy's doing. So I go upstairs and I stop him, flag him down, like, oh, what are you doing? It's like, I'm looking for the harvest. I'm looking for the harvest. Where's the harvest at? <laughs> Dude, there's a field over there that you might find something in, and there's a field over there that you might find something in. But driving around this loop, you're not going to find much. There's not much here. I mean, you look great. I love your green tractor. It's beautiful. And I love the way it sounds. That's really, you know, a cool sound. But you're not going to find a harvest here. We get this idea that we become a Christian. Had my sins washed away at baptism. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we come to church services and we pray a prayer every now and then. We even stack a few chairs at the end of service once in a while. Then we think we deserve the blessings of the harvest. We deserve reward because we read our Bible this week. Where's the payoff? We think that Jesus died on the cross to bless my life and to make it good. (laughs) That's just dumb. It is. That's just not a good way to think about it. Paul's writing Timothy this, and he's writing it to Timothy in prison. He is chained between two guards. 
Timothy doesn't probably know it when he's reading this, but this is the last letter that Paul writes. Paul's only a few meals, meager meals, if you want to call them meals, away from being drug outside of town and having his head removed. Paul's literally weeks, maybe months, maybe days. Who knows? We don't know. But this is the last letter that Paul wrote. He's writing from a chained position. I don't know how he does it, but I'm sure they gave him enough slack to write, or I'm sure he dictated to someone else. But he's in a bad spot, and he's writing these things. He's saying, Timothy, hardworking farmers, It takes dedication and it takes determination to receive the prize. So how do we make it happen for you? We get the soldier, we get the athlete, we get the farmer. How do we make it happen for us? Eternity will be well worth the sacrifice. Look at it, verse 8. It says, remember Christ Jesus. Timothy, remember Christ Jesus. He was raised from the dead, descendant of David, this is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul breaks into an old hymn, probably, says, here's, here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. For those of you who have literally taken on Christ. Not just a box you check on the on a on a form that you fill out. Not just not just something nice to say when someone asks you if you're a Christian. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm talking about really taking on Christ. Taking up your cross daily and following after him. If you really are a follower of Jesus Christ and his teachings, I want to tell you that this life is as bad as it's going to get. This is it. This is as bad as it's going to get. If you've really taken up Christ and you're following after Him and you're following after His, His commands and His rules and if you're listening to the commanding officer, this is as bad as it's going to get. Eternity will be worth the sacrifice. But out of love and out of deep trust in God's Word, I tell you this not to condemn but to help you understand, to help encourage you. If you're just making claims, if you're making a claim to be a soldier but not really following the orders of the commanding officer, if you're living out your own rules because you think that his are old-fashioned, if you're one that has that Christian jersey on and, and you have your Christian cleats and your pads but really haven't dug in and started playing by the coach's rules, if you aren't showing up for even the practices, if you aren't putting in the the, the little dark stickers under your eyes, you know how they have those? But you don't really show up for the two-a-days in the August sun, 
saying, I'm on the God's team, but you're not playing life by God's rules. You're playing them by your own rules. If you've got that straw hanging out the side of your mouth, the shadow of your big straw hat covering your fair-skinned face, if, if you've never experienced the cow poop fly off the lugs of your tires of your bright green tractor and land on your bib overalls, if you've never experienced the tools God has given you to work in His field, I have to tell you right now, if that's the way you're living life, this is the only heaven you will ever experience. Paul tells Timothy, take your eyes off the temporary situation. Take your eyes off of right here and take a step back. Take a 30,000 foot view. View it through the eyes of a farmer and an athlete and a soldier. Take a step back and realize that our strength comes from whose we are, not who we are. We're going to go back to verse 1. Look at it closely with me. It says, Timothy, my dear son, chained between two guards, moments away from being drug outside of town and beheaded. He says, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Use that strength, Timothy. Use that strength to make it down the strip every single night and go in and do your studies to prepare for this weekend. Make it past those doors that call you, sometimes by name, to come in. Drive right past. Use the strength that God's given through the grace of Jesus Christ. When we forget whose we are, we forget who we are. Paul will write a few more chapters. And then he's going to put down his, his, his pen. And he's going to seal up the parchments and hand them to the young boy to deliver to Paul's good friend, Timothy. But even as that messenger boy was taking that parchment from Rome all the way down to Ephesus, Paul was being taken out to be executed. The next time Timothy made his way down the strip in Ephesus, he would have renewed confidence. He would have renewed perspective. Not because of who he is. Not because of how great Timothy is. Not because of the great church that Timothy has built. Not because of the great reputation that Timothy had in town. Not because of who Timothy was. But because of who Timothy belonged to. We need perspective. Church, we need perspective. We need to step back away from the civilian affairs, the stuff that gets us all snagged in and all tangled up and all frustrated and stressed out and worried. That's all earthly stuff. 
We've got to take a step back and see it from a perspective of a soldier. We have to see it from a perspective of an athlete. If we're not going to beat by God's rules, we're not on God's team. We have to see it through the perspective of a farmer. It's hard work once in a while. It's going to take dedication. It's going to take some amazing determination to make it to the prize. But you know what? It's going to be worth it. God promises it'll be worth it. This is the worst it's ever going to get for those of us who want that prize. Give up on these prizes. Give up on this little stuff around here. Go for that one. That's the one he wants us to go for. Attitude adjustment? Life-changing attitude? Yeah, absolutely. We gain perspective from this a little bit of what Paul wrote to Timothy. Let's take it home with us. Let's discuss it in small groups in just a few minutes. Let's not let it just go in one ear and out the other. Let's gain perspective. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Don't, don't be caught up in the things of this world. Don't, be, don't let this stuff here make the determination about who you are. Life-changing attitudes. It's worthwhile. Thank you for your attention this morning. I appreciate it. And I hope that we've been able to share some things that will be a blessing to your life. We do want to let the kids go to class. And I have heard that the second and third graders are going.